Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and it is December the 6th, 2006. Took a monkey for a ride in the air The monkey thought that everything was on the square The buzzer tried to throw the monkey off his back The monkey grabbed his neck and said Now listen, Jack Straighten up and fly right Straighten up and fly right Straighten up and fly right Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top Ain't no use in diving What's the use of jiving? Straighten up and fly right Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top The buzzer told the monkey you were choking me Release your hold and I will set you free The monkey looked the buzzer right dead in the eye And said your story is so touching but it sounds just like a lie Straighten up and fly right Straighten up and stay right Straighten up and fly right Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top And sure enough, after the freezing rain last week, down came the snow and buckets and just kept a coming. Uh, masses of spraying in the skies in between the, the snow, of course, just to help along. And they're going at it big time, very visible to anybody who cares to look up. Unfortunately, very few people do. Or if the media doesn't talk about it, then it cannot be important. However, this is obviously detrimental to the public because of the complete blackouts of major media on this topic. Very, very important. And as always, in, in the, with the first snow, Murphy's Law kicks in. Murphy's always all over the place. But you find that in December, when the snow comes along, uh, you tr try and start your snow blower to blow the snow to get out and uh, it doesn't work of course no it worked fine in the summer when you tried it and stored it and fine in the fall when you're all ready for winter but as sure as blazes the first snow it comes and it won't start so I've been dismantling the whole engine and uh, relapping the valves and the whole thing for the last uh, couple of days which isn't nice outside, it's rather freezing. And it's hit about uh, uh, 20 below at night. Getting pretty cold. So that's what I've been up to. Now I'm going to continue tonight on <laughs> mind control and the different techniques of controlling the public's opinions and so on. But um, before that I'd like to mention that the whole unification of the America's agenda is right on target. They haven't been delayed by anything. Uh, Shelley Ann Clark, who worked in Ottawa and who worked for uh, her adult life and became the top bureaucrat, the, the top, um, yeah, bureaucrat really uh, for her department in Ottawa, most senior civil servant dealt with the, the, the drawing up of the free trade negotiations which really was more important than the NAFTA, the subsequent NAFTA that came afterwards uh, 
because all the preambles and, and terms are really hidden in the, the free trade negotiations. And she came out in the early 90s and told the public, she tried to tell the public, and she went across Canada talking to little groups and saying that we were uniting the whole of the Americas, beginning with Canada, the U.S., and Mexico, to be followed by other countries. And it was to be officially signed to the public, that is, um, in 2005. And sure enough, it was in March 2005, snuck in between sports and the Terry Schiavo case. Uh, just a, a brief mention. But the CFR did come out openly at the time and say that, and they admitted on the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, the national television station owned by the government, uh, the CFR admitted that they had drafted up the plans for the negotiations and this was given to the presidents and prime ministers and they just went ahead and signed it in March 2005 uh, so a formality was carried out by the prime ministers and the president this is an ongoing thing and by 2010 we were to be, were to be united so all this rubbish about the borders at the moment is, is more to get the whole public ID'd and all of these nations just like that, that is becoming in Europe that way you can cross what used to be borders and they can track you wherever you go that's the real agenda so they, they give us a, a, a bit of a nonsense at the border right now but the borders will come down by 2010 for those who <clears throat> write to me or email me um, don't worry if I don't get back it isn't that I don't read the mail I do but you wouldn't believe how busy I really am. I read all the mail that comes in. Uh, for the, the few who've actually donated some money, <coughs> I thank you very much, and I will be getting back to you for that. And uh, someone also sent me a pair of some gloves, which are so strange because I really needed this kind of glove at this time of year, and I was thinking of getting a pair and I got up here in the mail so thank you very much now to get back to last week's topic on uh, who controls us the controls the mind of us and so on I'll read the following from the same book called the second genesis the coming control of life well worth the read even though it holds more back from the public than it gives you but it gives you a little bit more than most books and in the usual optimistic fashion it tells you how wonderful science is and how it's going to be our real savior there's a truth in there for the elite for them it, it will be uh, their savior for controlling the people and that's all the problem they've really ever had down through history as to how to control the masses of people and keep them working for you and producing for you and keeping you in a, an elevated lifestyle and worshipping you really so check out the book The Second Genesis The Coming Control of Life by Albert Rosenfeld and on the chapter Who Controls the Controllers this is meant to put us at ease you see the notion of a man controlling his own brain is one thing, but the prospect that a man's brain might be controlled by another man is something else again, not to mention the control of masses of people by a few powerful individuals. 
Delgado, again the CIA guy, for one does not take the latter possibility too seriously because he works for the CIA, right? He admits that though such practices are requiring blood tests before marriage, compulsory smallpox vaccination, and fluoridation and chlorination of her drinking water, governments have established a precedent of official manipulation of her personal biology. Now that's, that's a very important admission because once again children are born into a system their parents don't know to tell them there's anything wrong with it and they think it's all quite natural that you get uh, umpteen injections just stuck into you and you take it all in faith because you have no idea of checking what they're actually giving you for yourself you can't do it it's purely a faith based thing and here he is admitting you see we've all done it gradually they've been tampering with her drinking water um, giving us injections putting fluoridation chlorination into the water and umpteen other things now of course all the, the vegetables are modified and we've taken it all as though it was all quite natural we ask no questions and yet the most important things for life food, shelter, clothing, water and th they've all been tampered with and we think this is natural the power goes into the hands of a few people who own corporations that will never meet in our lifetime but never get near them to even ask them the questions as to why and what they're really up to we take it for granted so getting back to Delgado he sees too that governments could try to control general behavior or to increase the happiness of citizens by electronically influencing their brains now that's one of the things they can do with harp that's admitted that the easiest thing they can do with harp is to influence your mood either make you very happy laid back or aggressive one or the other the military have been practicing for years on making their troops more aggressive and they've also used test populations even in the US to make them sort of happy and laid back you see so that can be done but Delgado continues but fortunately this prospect is remote if not impossible not only for the obvious ethical reasons but also because of its impracticability theoretically it would be possible to regulate aggressiveness productivity or sleep by means of electrodes in the brain but this technique requires specialized knowledge refined skills and a detailed and complex exploration of each individual because of the existence of anatomical and physiological variability the feasibility of mass control of behavior by brain stimulation is very unlikely and the application of intracerebral electrodes in man will probably remain highly individualized and restricted to medical practice well that's all nonsense now because they can do all the stuff that he said would be impractical back in the 60s but not all scientists share Delgado's optimism about the remoteness of these prospects especially since ESB is only in its infancy and that's what they were telling us then you can guarantee if this was published and given to the public in the 60s um, the higher levels of science had already bypassed all of this the fact that it might be difficult or troublesome and it could soon become less difficult and less troublesome to apply ESB on a large scale would not necessarily deter someone who was sufficiently motivated to do it and had the power to carry out his will as for the obvious ethical reasons that would depend upon the individual ethics of the persons in power 
and would of course carry no weight at all with ruthless types who invent their ethics as they go. Do we know anyone like that, folks? Hmm? It has been suggested that a dictator might even implant electrodes in the brains of infants a few months after birth, and they would never know that their thoughts, moods, feelings, and all-round behavior were not the result of their own volition. Where, then, is free will and individual responsibility? An electrical engineer named Curtis R. Schaefer, who made a similar suggestion, added that the once human being thus controlled would be the cheapest of machines to create and operate. The cost of building even a simple robot like the Westinghouse Mechanical Man is probably ten times that of bearing and raising a child to the age of 16. What does this imply, asked Robert Coughlin. One hypothetical possibility, the 100-socket, 600-electrode human being controlled by transistor time stimulator worn perhaps in the form of a lapel pin by men and for a jewel brooch by women. Well, really, all they'd have to do today is to put it in a chain that you'd hang from your cheek, your nose, or your, or your tongue. Each individual's program would be preset and tailored to assigned functions and duties, but it could be changed instantly by overriding radio signals sent out by local 75 socket controllers who would be controlled by district 50 socket controllers who would be controlled by regional 25 socket controllers who would be controlled by a master controller with no sockets who in his wisdom would control the behavior of everybody that's the check and balance mechanism so but you're back to the old hyper high masonic idea uh, even pre-masonic masonic's a recent term for the same mystery religion with the know-nothings at the bottom and the wiser ones at the top back to the old utopian idea that they were going to bring in and have this peace on earth project where well you couldn't be aggressive and nasty towards people trying to abuse you because you wouldn't know you were being abused you just grin foolishly and, 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 and salivate and, and dribble probably from your mouth that's what they call utopia when peace will come when you're unable to have any other emotion regardless of how you're being treated this is their utopia the potency of mind drugs so much for the electrical half of the brain's electrochemistry but the chemical half may turn out to be considerably more than half in terms of its fundamental functional importance not that electrochemistry is neatly divisible into halves but it is feasible to think of the electricity and the chemistry as separate thought as separate though interrelated modes of cerebral operation and certainly to think of electricity such as the application of ESB and chemistry such as the administration of drugs as two distinct approaches to the control of the brain potent as the electrical approach appears to be chemistry looks even more promising hence even more threatening though neural impulses can be electrical stimulated their actual transmission along the nerve fibers and across the synapses is achieved as was demonstrated by Sir John C. Eccles and his colleagues at the Australian National University by the transport of key chemical substances the principal transmitter in the central nervous system being acetylchlorine or choline and while thoughts and memories may go around and round in electrical circuits they appear to be stored chemically in the molecules of the brain with implications for memory learning to be discussed shortly 
It has already been amply demonstrated that electricity induced in, from the outside can turn on the chemistry in a given area of the brain and stimulate a variety of behavioral patterns. In such cases, it is the impingement upon the electrical current that sets in motion the chemical reactions. Under normal circumstances, it works the other way around. The brain cells are like miniature storage batteries with an electrical potential that lies latent, stored chemically as positive or negative ions until an appropriate stimulus sparks the electricity into action. This firing of the cell sets in motion electrical currents that keep the brain and CNS functioning, much as a storage bag in your car. These weak electrical currents are what the electroencephalograph picks up. It's when they are no longer detectable that most physicians are now willing to consider a patient truly dead. That used to be the case. They don't do that so much now because they want to whip out your organs which they actually sell, they charge people uh, who are the donors, or at least the taxpayer for, for, for putting them in, someone else, but they want live bodies, you see, they don't want um, the truly dead ones. If the use of a broadside technique like ESB can give the possessor such powers over the brain, think what might be done if we knew how to manipulate the brain's chemistry and all its exquisitely refined detail. Just as the DNA code determines the color of the eye, the shape of the nose, and the precise operations of such complex organs as the liver, writes Lawrence Lessing in Fortune magazine, I guess. So it also determines the cast of the mind. The new hypothesis, guess that is, is that DNA not only specifies the physical structure of the brain, but also controls directly or indirectly all brain processes and mental activity through a molecular code that may be searched out and finally mastered. Well, as I say, whenever they tell you now that they're working on something and hope to one day yada yada yada, it's been done at a higher level. They're, they're not researching at the bottom level again. They've done it long ago. Now this book also touches on topics which are current today, as though they've just been found out again, again and again. This is how they do things. We know that the hormonal balances of the public have been tampered with tremendously for years now. We can find in Charles Galton Darwin's book, The Next Million Years, uh, that the suggestion that they actually do this for world peace and make the males more effeminate. And they'd also noticed even way back then that estrogen, for instance, uh, excessive doses will produce, given early to prepubertal females, will actually make them more manly as they get older. And males become effeminate. Now, on page 235 of the second Genesis, listen to this. They're talking about injecting parts of the brain with specific hormones where they can turn on nest-building qualities in rats. I guess they really just want to really improve the, the lives of rats, okay, right? Okay, that's what it's about. No, this is about people, always. The effects of hormones used this way can be impressive indeed. Now, and listen to this, Dr. Elks, E-L-K-E-S, made clear in a Deerfield Foundation. Where do you get it? Where do you, where do you dream this stuff up? Dr. Elks, Deerfield Foundation lecture. In 1965, he says, a small dose of hormone 
a steroid entering the central nervous system during an acute developmental phase. Now, they're, they're talking about in the womb or else pre-puberty. He said, will so reset its responsiveness that the whole program of behavior is one of male rather than female activity. Now, conversely, they can, they can turn it the other way around and make it one of female activity. Let me cite another experiment coming from our own laboratory at Johns, Johns Hopkins. This was done by Dr. Richard Michael and concerns adult cats. Now they want to make cats happy. Dr. Michael implanted a minute quantity of hormone directly into a small area of a posterior hypothalamus. He also implanted another animal's dummy material of the same dimension. That's to trick the cats, you see. The cats implanted with small quantities of the hormone, sylvesterol dibutyrate, although originally devoid of sexual activity, became sexually very receptive. Dummy implanted cats did not show any such effects. Oh my god, eh? There's a blind test for you. With removal of the implants, the susceptibility disappeared. The John Hopkins receptors also found that the hormone does not travel very far, that it stays in the immediate vicinity of the implant, and that a few selected cells take up the hormone. This, said Elks, is a remarkable instance of specificity of interaction in the CNA central nervous system. Let us think this to the end, he then implores. Implores, eh? A small amount of hormone incorporated properly into the membrane of relatively few cells so resets the total machinery that it now responds to a male presence with a very specific sexual response, a program that runs down in about eight minutes or so in a cat. Put in another hormone and this will not happen. Move the hormone a few millimeters away from the susceptible site and again this will not happen. Cells are thus apparently sensitized in a highly specific way. So a surprising lot is getting to be known. As I say, this is old stuff even when this was written because it's bottom level for the public consumption. You see, we now have methods available, said Elks, which enable us to map this chemistry of the brain in great detail, not only in terms of gross microscopic structure, shall we say, the geography of the brain itself, but also in terms of the layer-by-layer -layer geology of the brain and to determine the concentration of those materials in a very thin area of the brain and show how one area differs from another only a few millions of an inch apart. It can be done by elegant microtechniques which enable one to gauge the local concentration of materials and it can also be done by special straining methods which show up these materials in a beautiful fluorescent array. It's, oh, they're just so beautiful when they're dealing with picking away at your brain. But then Dr. Elks is a very dear man. Eh? It is quite clear then that the brain can be controlled chemically in at least a limited fashion. Yeah, limited. And since all the behavior patterns capable of being set in motion by ESB are based on chemical patterns that are stored and ready to go and are chemically carried out, it follows that anything ESB can do, chemistry can do better once we learn how. Well, they knew. This stuff is a horror show. And if you realize that billions and billions of dollars are spent uh, worldwide in laboratories across the whole planet on this kind of research to find out ways of control, because that's what it's all about. It's not to, it's not to cure anything. Even the once in a while they'll say, oh, well, we could, we could help the occasional epileptic, perhaps. It's, it's actually for controlling everyone. That's always been the goal of it. These scientists 
these researchers come out of university and go and work in little clinics and research facilities and laboratories and they depend upon grants for their, their entire life's income one grant after another and when you realize that money which makes this world go around this system is behind it all it's so easy for a few people to direct all investigations they simply fund the ones that they want to be funded and researched into and anything that really is for curing or helping people get no money at all and they go under or they don't get off the ground in the first place that's how simple this whole simple this, this system is and they always knew where they were heading always knew from Moore's Utopia all the way up to the present day and before that to Plato's Republic they always knew where they wanted to go and they had, they had talks about this century after century on how to gain control and keep control of the public of the minds of the public you see this nonsense about the war on terror it's the first time they've used this this, this actual terminology a war on terror now terror is anything that strikes fear in you and the only one that's striking fear into the public are the ones who are shouting terror terror from the top it's to terrorize us this is a war of terror interestingly after the French Revolution they had the reign of terror anyone who looked wrongly at one of the citizen guards was uh, immediately beheaded for looking the wrong way, the, the wrong look or maybe asking a question and that was to terrorize the public into obedience to the new system we saw the same thing after the Soviet or the Bolshevik revolution Lenin in his own writings talked about the installation and necessity of terror to destroy the old system and to get the old peasant farmers off the land and to comply into the new system and he sent teams out and he told them in his own writings remember just pick up a dozen locals here near in any tiny village doesn't matter who they were male female children whatever hang them from trees and leave them there to rot to strike terror into the public this is the guy who cared about the workers remember they're all such hypocrites and liars because they're all part of the same mystery religion down through the ages and here we have the same thing going on again where everyone's rights even though they never really had them you had more scope or they had, to, they had to at least humor us in the past when it came to rights and go through uh, processes to, to keep us humored but now they're, they're taking all of that away even under the disguise of, our, of, of a war on terror we saw the war on drugs and the war on crime and wars and wars and wars from the US and different countries through these agreements they all made and the war on drugs simply made drugs more appealing to people um, and, and put the prices up but the main reason for the war on drugs was to, to increase police forces to incredible size and to give them helicopters and high-tech equipment and SWAT teams and all this stuff that's what the real reason was for the war on drugs because the big boys if you go into their history have always run the overworld 
and the underworld. The overworld is their legal system through the Bar Association, and the legal system is all the different kinds of mafia. Remember that the mafia is only part of Freemasonry. It was authorized by Mazzini. He gave them the charter to establish themselves as the Mafia, as, as a Masonic organization. The overworld, the underworld, the legal drug system and the illegal drug system, they run both sides. That's how it's, it's always been. You can go into the Yale University roster there of all their, their previous people and famous people and famous names and famous families and you'll find the Bushes and different ones and even their opposition their families are all tied together and were heavily involved made millions of dollars in pushing opium into China in the 1800s and that's recorded history before that they were into the the freebooters the piracy go back to Queen Elizabeth I all the guys are in her court that came around her, Francis Drake, Walter Raleigh, all these boys used to go out and plunder the Spanish galleons that were coming from, from Latin America, South America. They'd rob and steal. But that was okay, it was authorized by the Queen as long as everyone got their cut right to the top. That's what the pirate flag was, the skull and bones of masonry, Freemasonry. The crossed bones and the skull. So we're surprised that at the top, nothing much has changed. The same pirates are at the top. Only now they've shaved off their beards and put on suits and ties. A Masonic outfit, by the way, that's why it's the only authorized uniform to wear in a court. It's a respectable suit, you see. From a suit of armor to the suit of clothing with a little collar and tie. The tie is your, is your toe line that all Masons have to wear that's, their, that's their, their circle of limitation if you swing them around with the tie that's their limitation that's what it represents but it also means the why if you look straight on at it you have the knot over the Adam's apple the knot you're bound you're bound by the system and if you were to see through the collar putting down you would see it going around the neck on either side it would be the letter Y Y Pythagorean very important letter control control total control has always been the prime goal of the elite for their perfect peace everyone on the planet must be perfectly predictable and that can only be done by re-engineering every individual and tracking and tracing and monitoring them knowing what conclusions they must come to when given any problem complete predictability that's the peace they'll have and it's so interesting the world meetings like Loyola University's meetings on brain implants for everyone 
And notice I've already talked from this book from the 60s where they talk about regional computers, regional controller checks. In the Loyola University, they said that regional computers are already installed to do the programming on those who eventually will be chipped. You'll always find when announcements are made, the machinery for, for their plan has already been set up. It's ready. Just as when they say they're working on something and hope one day to yada yada yada, it's been done long ago at a much higher level. When Dolly the sheep was coming down or, or coming along from the bottom researchers, that tells you it already been done at the higher levels. The problems of Dolly with, with the uh, hyper allergies and asthmatic problems and so on had been overcome at the higher levels. We are kept in the past always. That's how control never loses power. It's way ahead of us in science. It's way ahead of what we're taught. And we, we will say, in fact, you know, the public will always tell you, oh, they can't do that. They're just working on this thing right now. They could never do this to us. They don't have the ability. That's, that's how they get away with it. Yes, they do have the ability. They, don't, they tell us stuff and make announcements of, of findings which are actually obsolete. Whatever the public's given is obsolete. It's been done long ago. Only the bottom researchers who don't know, and they're not in communication with the top ones, they don't know it's already been done themselves. And they innocently talk to the public and boast about their discoveries, not knowing it's already been done long, long ago by the higher levels. It's all to keep us living in the past tense. If you think you're on the cutting edge of reality, you're done for. You're a walking fool. No one can tell you, no one can show you because you would know, you, you believe you would know what they're up to, you buy the latest science magazines and so on. That's how simply this, this trick works. We're living in the past. Now for the rest of this particular talk I'd like to go into or back to what Shelley Ann Clark was talking about on the amalgamation of the Americas during the free trade negotiations. 2005, sure enough, she was right, it was signed. She said this years before. I've been saying this for years too now. No, nobody wanted to hear it. And uh, 2010, it would be complete. And along with that, Canada's health care system was to be privatized to match the US and it's happening the pension plans would eventually go under as well it's happening because everything was, must be equalized between the US and Canada now the laws I've noticed for years now the same laws being introduced in one country on any topic are the same in the US being introduced at the same time which told me they were working in cahoots all along and I saw the same process as they were getting Europe ready for amalgamation while each government to, to their own people were lying their, their teeth off for 40, 50 years. Right to the very end they lied, lied, lied. No, it's not unification. No, you, you won't lose sovereignty. 
It's just an economic trade deal. Lie, lie, lie to the very end, because you must always lie to the children. You can't tell the children the truth ever if you're part of the controlling mechanism. They wouldn't understand, poor dears. So everything is being finalized, standardized, and equalized. Right after 2001, the most fortunate thing that ever happened to get this agenda underway It was announced here in Canada that the secret security services like CSIS, which is a kind of play on sees us in a way, but it's also an ancient Greek king. Nothing is, nothing, none of these names are there by accident. Here the nickname is Big Sis. And this was started up by Pierre Trudeau, who was the communist leader for Comintern, the young communists of Canada, back in the 1950s who later became Prime Minister of Canada under the Liberal government. And not one newspaper in Canada bothered to publish this fact that he had been a leader of the Comintern and led the 1952 delegation from Canada to Moscow. Because we're free press, don't we? They tell us all we need to know, don't we? But Trudeau brought in CSIS, where they took over from the RCMP, investigations and, and hired people generally from again upper crust Ivy League schools universities some of the professors and in fact professors are favorite for working uh, for for these kind of things like the CIA and they also do recruitment at universities they do the personality profiling of candidates and then approach them to work for these agencies and then they put them out into society into different positions. Some of them end up in newspapers, work as editors even. The CIA has been famous for putting their own people into all news groups and reporters. And Canada's no different, and neither is Britain. They have them scattered through universities and through all walks of life. Some of them work on a contract basis, in fact, take small contract jobs on. We are already living, and we have been living for at least 60 years now under complete observation. 9-11 gave them official permission to themselves to make it open to the public that they can spy on you. But they've been doing this all along. When Alexander Graham Bell, the High Freemason, uh, was chosen to get the patent because there was a, a guy who really did all the work and it should have gone to another fella, but uh, the big Masonic board gave Alexander Graham Bell the patent on the phone, telephone. They've been listening to your phone calls all along. All along, and never telling the public. This, that was always routine. Now, they'll occasionally on the news, they'll show you, even on local news, they'll show you offices of, of, of police workers working on computers, scouring the internet. For this is all for your local area, for you too, to see what you're looking into. And nobody minds. I, I don't see people saying, that's it, I've had enough of this, who give them perm permission to go into my site and open my mail, etc. Nobody cares anymore because most of the people have had their instincts for self-preservation destroyed chemically 
by inoculations and by use of these viruses and bacteriums specifically designed to target areas of the brain, get the book The Ghost in the Machine by Arthur Kostler, K-O-E-S-T-L-E-R, The Ghost in the Machine. He worked for the United Nations to find ways to lobotomize the public. He was only one of many, many people working for the United Nations on this problem. And in the last chapter, for those who are impatient can't read, sum it all up in the last chapter. And it tells you why he's totally for it and believes in it, for again, for world peace. It's interesting that even the communism, the other hand of capitalism, and financed by it, communism defined peace as the complete absence of all opposition. Interesting, eh? But you can see by the reactions of the public today, when they have no response, there was no massive outcry when the basic, your basic need of food had been tampered with and they, they admitted it eventually. There was no outrage. Instead, the media did silly little quips on corn. Do you like this corn or that corn? And they'd find some, somebody with an IQ of five who said, well, I don't mind, it tastes the same to me. And that was our opinion given to us. Yeah. And that's about it. There was no, no huge outcry at all. In Canada, the population of Canada had been the guinea pigs to test this stuff for 10 years, which they admitted to eventually when it broke out from Britain that we had been the guinea pigs. Some NGOs in Britain complained when Tony Blair was trying to make it mandatory there to bring in the, the, the GMO foods. And that's how it leaked across to Canada, that we, we were the guinea pigs for it. We were being studied by these scientists and doctors pulling, filling reports in on, on different sicknesses and ailments, all getting fed to a central computer in Ottawa from across the whole country. It was admitted in the papers there was a central computer that collected all data on every Canadian. They didn't tell us why they were doing it. Well, it made, it made sense when it broke out about the GMO foods. We were monitoring the health of all age groups from then on. So then the government had to come out and say, oh, well, yeah, yeah, we did make a deal. And they admitted in the newspapers they made a secret deal with Monsanto and other companies to test this on the public. Now, again, by the old myth, of course, we've fallen into the old myth trap. The government's there to serve you, right? Eh? No. No, it's not. No. Never was. Never was. Those in the government are authorized to be there, not by you either. So there they are, calmly testing this, following the health of the public down through the years to see what effects it would have on the public. And they know, I'm sure they would know before it was even given to the public what findings they would, they would find eventually. But there's no big outcry about it. You get in fluorated water. We know what that does to the old brain box. And all, all the other things injected into you along the Kessler method of the ghost in the machine. And then you have the spraying in the skies and the GMO food. And people, well, people can't figure it out because most of them are too far gone now. 
they have been successfully lobotomized. And anyone who believes that the media is real and the six o'clock news is real has officially been lobotomized. Their critical thinking ability has been compromised or demolished, eliminated, kaput. All of the testing from all the years, down the years, on the animals has been to be used on man eventually. And it is being used. The elite in ancient times, look at, the, 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 look at even the United States. The, the, isn't it odd that the U.S. founding fathers said they looked at all the histories of all previous governments and systems and regimes and they say that of ancient Rome was the best one to choose. Now Rome had a small elite at the top. Eventually about three quarters of the population were slaves, officially slaves. And there was no stigma in those days about having slaves. It was a normal thing to do. It still is normal. It's just they, they, they give you a pittance and we buy ourselves the clothes and the food and so on and the vehicle to get to work. We're self-maintained slaves, we just don't know it. Even though if you stop and think that if you're forced to, to pay part of your labor back in money to anybody, which is extortion, you see, a different name for extortion, and extortion is a demand for money or, or estate or something real from you, or your time even, and if you don't comply, then they will punish you severely. That's called extortion. So by the use of terminology, they can change the perception of the event. Threat is threat. Force is force. Extortion is extortion. When they first brought in income taxes, it was supposed to be temporary, temporary war taxes. And be in fact, you'd be unpatriotic if you didn't pay it. That was a, that was a con then. So ancient Rome was the the principle upon which the U.S. supposedly was founded with its Senate, a word pinched by the Romans from the Egyptians, because the, the Senate in Egyptian meant the chessboard, the chessboard, the tesserated floor of the Freemasonry play two sides of the game and the, the lovely ancient Romans had the same problem about how do, you, how do you keep track of all your slaves all these peasants you see the little people and what they decided was you could brand them if they ran away you'd brand them often in the forehead but, but the owners used to also have little baked circles of clay or ceramic with a stamp on it and they'd, they'd break it in half it was, they had holes drilled through them and the slave wore one part as a necklace and the owner had the other and that way they could always when a slave was found they could always claim the slave if the two halves met together but what they used to do too, like the ancient Greeks, same thing, because it was the same aristocracy that moved from Greece and became Rome, and the same money system, the same old system down through the ages came in and created Rome. 
even to the end some of the elite Romans still taught Greek but they used to take the, cut the thumbs off the slaves the male slaves so they could not hold a sword ever and retaliate or throw or hold a spear control, control, control if they could have lobotomized them then and still kept efficiency up they would have done so we are living in a laboratory here there are no experiments done on the public the experimentation was done, done long ago we don't react to anything because like Kessler says we shall destroy that part of the brain which is the survival mechanism for individualism he said the public won't need it because the state will be making all their decisions for them that's happening now Britain was one of the worst countries for this even growing up the news was more like official decrees from Moscow than anything else all we had was the ministry of this has stated that yada 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 and then the ministry of that has stated yada 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 these are official decrees from governments and even the, the way it was presented was to make you feel small insignificant and powerless that's why it was presented that way nothing was done by accident we are under a totalitarian type system when they were taking all of the industry out of Britain after World War II right through the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s and generations were growing up without work Maggie Thatcher came on television and actually stated that when she was in office there are generations growing up now that will not see work in their lifetime get used to it they had the pub hours she had the pub hours extended she said it was better to have them inside uh, spending welfare money in the pubs all day than, than um, demonstrating on the streets on a Man Alive program she was heard to say to the Minister of Education caught by a boom mic in Parliament walking up one of the corridors she said the worst thing we ever gave the, the poor was education when the Man Alive team quizzed her on her policies and, and said to her do you realize you're, you're turning this back into the small aristocratic elites who live in the big house and the peasants stand outside the gate doffing their hats and bowing as the lady passes by in their carriage Maggie Thatcher said yes and so what what's wrong with that these people are not elected by us they have never represented us they've always known what they wanted and for those countries who think no our, our, our people aren't like that at the top well good luck live in your fantasy because they're all interrelated they all know each other they all go to the same lodges they all get their orders from the same source they all know the global agenda from the smallest country to the largest 
And like David Rockefeller said, well, you can't create an omelette without breaking eggs. But he talked about the massive unemployment that would come to North America during the amalgamation. That was the same technique they used on Britain and other countries when they deindustrialized over many years. Bad news every day, year after year. Factories closing. They never told the public why. They never told them that they set up a department in 1948 in London, a Department of Government, to work out all the problems and do all the legal paperwork leading up to all the negotiations for the amalgamation of Europe. They didn't admit that to the public until it was done. The Parliament was up and running in Brussels, in Belgium. Then they declassified all of this and said, yep, we lied to you all along. And it said right in it, that the public must not be told the truth until it is completely completed. And we think and we're told we're free. We're always told the same rubbish. Generation after generation. Now the whole world is in the grip of this reign of terror by governments on the public as they broaden terror to include opinions on things, on many other things, on anything. And that's where it's expanding into, until you can't express an opinion on anything. That's where it's leading to. It's a reign of terror on the public. And long before 9-11, we saw the massive build-up of SWAT teams of, from every place, every country, same black uniforms, black signifies death, killer, executioner. This is standard. And they recruit the psychopaths to do it. With the itchy fingers to pull that trigger. Little immature people. Who still should be watching cartoons. We watch it all. And only a few people understand what it's all really about. The rest think it's a natural evolution. These internal armies of police will be used on the public at the right time. And it's all coming. It will come. The, the war on terror will expand to include everything everything. We're seeing a duplication of the Soviet system in all its entirety with even more sophistication, more laws, rules, regulations and more money to, to, to buy the services, create the services to enforce it all. We're living through this right now. And because Joe or Jane Average can go from their home to where their shopping mall at the moment unopposed to think everything's just rosy and peachy and buy what they want as long as the credit cards keep getting thrown out there the, when a country rises to the top it's not because the workers are any better than any, the workers from any other country it's because the bankers have made the availability of credit open and available to everyone that's standard old technique Plato talked about how easy it was, so easy to take down a, an advanced nation, 
What do you mean by that? It was an artificial society. He talked about the beehive. The cities were to be the beehives where the agenda of the guardian class would be pushed through. Nothing is normal in a city. Nothing can be normal in a city because of the hype and so on. But it produces nothing, you see. The basic needs of life, that's what normal is. When you must have food and everything brought into you, when eventually you must tax the rural areas, as ancient Rome did, as the modern city-states do, to survive, to make the city-states survive themselves, that's not normal. All hell and perversions come out into cities. The city people can be taught anything, to believe anything too. So the cities, the beehives, would always be in the lead to change the rest of the world. But he said they are also the easiest to destroy. The more advanced a society is, the more far removed it from it is from nature, from, from agriculture and basic survival, then the faster it will fall, the easier it is to bring down. When they pull the plug, if they, when they eventually they do, I don't think we'll have one big severe pool. I think we'll give us many crises along the way to get to train us to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. You will see your lifestyle being taken away. Right now, on every politician's lips, now this is another thing I meant to say before I forget, jumping back to Shelley Ann Clark and, and the free trade negotiations, it was also discussed during those negotiations before NAFTA that they were thinking of making Montreal the new capital, the new Brussels for the Americas. And she talked about this in the early 90s. Just last week, the Canadian government, without telling the public really, interesting, when they want the public to govern and hype and respond and get involved, they make sure we all do with hype, hype, hype. This time, but when Quebec was given special status as a nation within a nation, they did it all quietly. They didn't want public involvement because it was a must-be, a Masonic must-be, you see. And they all passed it, this, this decision. They voted on it. And Quebec now has a, has a nation status. Now, the capital of Quebec is Montreal. What a coincidence. Just in time for the upcoming amalgamations of the Americas and it will satisfy everyone you see, logically they don't want the US to be in charge then everybody else will bitch because the US has the, the, the reputation of robbing every other country through its corporations they don't want Canada to be the boss because we're supposed to be too left wing which is nonsense actually that's a persona they give us but he's a new place that hasn't a history and bingo, that's where it will be. And, and of course, you'll find that Montreal will be the head of the banking for the Americas with its own special rules under the Napoleonic Code. That's what they go by. Big corporations will base there, won't pay the taxes and so on. It just happens to be set up that way for a coincidence. Montreal was also the biggest capital, or biggest castle, the Knights Templars had over in the Middle East. But that too must be a coincidence. 
the real mountain, eh? the pyramid. Well, they always see that everything's in front of our faces if you care to look, eh? and sure enough, it is. So we've covered the mind control thing, the, the body tampering, the brain tampering, the unification of the Americas, the spraying in the skies that never give up, the manipulation of the weather, because we must be completely convinced that we're causing the warming so as we give up all our rights to go into the next phase, which is habitat areas for humans. In other words, ghettos will all be flung into and live like fleas upon top of each other. What a lovely future, eh? But then, how many care? People must be exposed who are doing this. They must, the associations they belong to must be exposed. Until the public do that, they'll be guided in secrecy and by secrecy. Well, I'm going to go back out and get frozen working on the snowblower and get the cylinder head and the valves back in. I hope you'll keep safe and well. For me and Hamish the dog, it's good night and may your God go with you. Every kitchen to determine who will 